Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Evolving Mindset podcast and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Sheila Lord. Morning Sheila. Morning Phil, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, very well. Um, I'm just waiting for this weather to turn nice. It's, uh, it's been rubbish, hasn't it, so far, let's face it. It's been dreadful. I, I woke up today this morning with the sun beaming through my windows. I thought I'd been transported to another country. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We're, I think we're due, because of the pandemic, I think we're due. So at least give, it, give us a month of good weather, come on. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. We definitely need some, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I've reached out to you, uh, Sheila, due to the, the fantastic work that I see that you're doing. Uh, and I was really keen to explore, you know, for some of mm-hmm. our listeners, what what work you do so you can explain uh, what you're doing out there, which is amazing. I know. Um, but if you can just explain to our to our listeners what you do. Sure. Um, so we're a mental health um, and well-being training consultant provider. Um, so we do a couple of things actually. Um, we provide mental health training, um, we provide EAP systems, uh, but one of the main things that we do in the core focus of our business really is about getting organisations to understand that just doing MHFA, just having an EAP system, just having Bendy Brenda delivering yoga on a Friday and some bananas around the office, those are all nice facets of a well-being programme, but they're by no means um, a strategic one. They're by no means a systemic programme. Um, they're by no means enough um, as in, in terms of supporting employees from a mental health perspective. Everything that we're doing in terms of MHFA training, EAP, it's all focused on when it's too late. It's all focused on when there's a problem. Okay, so we're having to sign post- to mental health first aiders if we're having to signpost people to counsellors something's already gone wrong in in your business process or in, you know in your business environment that people are actually falling over ill mm-hmm. i could and, be and organization to kind of take that back and and look at it from more from a systemic perspective I completely agree. Um, very reactive uh, from what we see when we're working with organisations doing similar mm-hmm. pieces of work um, as well. So what, what has been some of the most difficult things that you've you found working with organisations trying to not convince them, but educate them that this is the way forward? Yeah, I think, you know, you're right, you used two words there. One was convince and one was educate. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I have to convince somebody, then I'm done. I'm, I, you know, I need to walk away because convincing, you know, if you're having to convince a leader mm-hmm. needs to be done, then, you, you know, and they're not interested, then they're really just not understanding it um you know what we like to do we run webinars we run podcasts and we're looking to educate people on this fully integrated approach to workplace mental health and when you kind of put it into the context of any other business process people get it you know the pain drops so you know if you equate it you know we talk about physical health and mental health being as important as each other and uh, you know, we've got physical uh, first aiders in the workplace. Uh, we're now starting to have quite a lot of mental health first aiders in the workplace. But, you know, when it comes to physical safety, we don't just go, we're only going to have physical first aiders and we're going to leave boxes in, in, in walkways and we're going to leave safety guards off machinery and we're not going to have, you know, beeping on the, you know, I can't remember, I don't know what they called, on the forklift trucks. The trucks, yeah. 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 Um, alarms and stuff like that we don't we have protective measures 
in place and we design safe systems of work around physical safety so that we're preventing physical injury. However, we don't take the same approach when it comes to workplace mental health. We're not looking at the potential factors in the workplace that could become a risk to somebody's well-being. So, you know, have, they, have people got the, um, are they being overloaded with work? Have they got access to the right support? Have they had the right training? Are they being, you know, um, have they got good working relationships with colleagues? All of these factors, if not handled correctly within the business, have a potential to cause stress or psychiatric injury to an individual. And we're not really taking a step back and going, is the environment with which my employees are working safe, free from toxicity, based on positive relationship, based on co-working, you know, good training, good education, good competencies, good skills. We're not doing that when it comes to mental health. I absolutely love the way you've just articulated that. Um, and it is something, I'm a very visual person, so thank you so much for that, because I, I think that would help me explain it to other people as well, and it's absolutely right. We have physical first aid in the workplace, but all of them safety, all of that proactiveness, we go away, we risk assess, we look what's needed, we make sure the right PPEs in place, the right safety measures are in place, safe systems of work, and again, it just evidences how we, as society, not, not as, as organisations mm -hmm. as well, prioritize our physical health over our mental health and it, and it, you're absolutely right i've worked with an organization recently and said you know so here's your stats around your work-related absences due to stress i just ask you one simple question it was the ceo it was the main main person in charge uh -huh. what you've got eight departments which department is is the most prominent or prevalent yeah and you couldn't answer me and when, yeah. he come, and when he come back, he went away and got the information and come back and he went, oh my God, Phil, it's all in the same area. I said, so what's the root cause of what's going on in that area? That's a hotspot mm. now. You should be as an yeah. organisation being proactive and looking at well, what's the hotspot, what are the stresses in this workplace? And when he did a little piece of work with them, it was something as simple as that. They realised that the people in this department were absolutely bombarded with workload unmanageable workload and kpis another another departments were sitting there twiddling their thumbs mm -hmm. and i was saying as an effect as an effective leader you need to balance your resources so you you can identify this area as being in such a a, a pivotal piece of your organization where all the demand is utilize it from other departments to, to support to support that and it's not rocket science and this is what we try and say to people it's about sometimes it's just if you were having and i said to him exactly what you said if you had five accidents in that same department last week you'd do something about it yeah and he went yeah i would and he said and every investigation that you do would try and drill down to root cause of that accident wouldn't it and he went yeah i said well, you've got eight people off there from the same department with work-related stress out of 25. Yeah, and the thing so, is, somebody was offering an accident, say, I don't know, they've had to go to the hospital, they'll generally be back in a day, a couple of days, okay? Yeah. So the sickness cost associated with physical ill health is yeah. can, can be relatively short, it can be relatively low. Mm -hmm. If somebody's going off with a psychological ill health, i.e. stress, they're not off for a day, they're not off yeah. for two days. Minimum a doctor will probably sign them off as two weeks. 
So the cost of having somebody off with psychiatric ill health, you know, with, with, with mental ill health is far, far more than it is for physical health, yet we continue to let it occur. Unchecked. Yeah. And it just does not make sense, you know. We have processes in place. All businesses have standard risk assessment processes in place. And I think what happens is that people still fear the word mental health, yeah? If I mention it, if I bring it up, if I address it, I have to look and try to measure something I personally don't understand. And I think that's a barrier for a lot of organizations and it's a barrier for a lot of leaders. And, you know, at the end of the day, not doing something is no excuse. You know, you have a legal obligation employer to provide a safe place of work that, you know, extends to the health, the safety and the welfare of all employees. The act is clear on that. Yeah, it's not, you know, safety and welfare covers psychological injury. This case law evidence is that back to, you know, way back 1995. And then the regulations say, and the way in which you do that is to conduct risk assessments. And when you do your risk assessments, what you need to do is to consult with your employees. Because what we often get is this disconnect that leaders and, and senior management, and, and I think it gets worse as organisations get bigger, is they think they're doing one thing, and there's there's one level of culture in the organisation, and then the people down here, uh, at the lower end, the kind of you know at the worker level, there's a complete disconnect. Disconnect, yeah. Um, into how it actually really, really is. So, unless you've got leadership on board, unless you're consulting with your employees, unless you're working together, you're not going to really move forward and mental health isn't something you can pick up on mental health awareness where you can send a few nice emails around and a couple of bananas you know you can't just pick it up and you can't just put it down it has to be a systemic part of your organization's culture you know quality control yeah remember years ago i don't know if you do i'm a quality um, background as well but when iso 9001 first came out yeah it was about putting frameworks in place in your business okay and you know it was there was an early adoption of it i think it was bs 5750 prior um but once we started to get these frameworks in place around quality that became the quality standard it's like i wouldn't deal with organizations when i was in supply chain if they didn't at least have an iso 9000 certification okay and, and mental health or workplace um psychological risk management um, fortunately, I think it was moving in that direction. Okay, so we've got the new ISO. There is a new ISO standard coming up. Yep. This month, um, uh, forty-five thousand and three, and that puts mental health risk or psychological um, risk management underneath the occupational health umbrella. So mm. um, we're then getting this, and what we're saying is, you know, in its simplest form. Plan, do, check, act, standard business process. Yeah, risk assess, um, identify, assess, mitigate um, and control and then review the effectiveness. The, these processes already exist in the organisation's framework. All we're saying to you is just be aware there are these additional set of hazards. Yeah, 
and you just need to factor these in as well. And there are tools out there and there's, there's all sorts of different ways in which you can do that. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Um, and it, you know, it's a blended across, across all different things. What, why do you think there's a fear? I pick up a, a fear from organisations and leaders when I have two things to pick up. Sorry, I'll, I'll change that. Fear and a lack of understanding. So mm -hmm. they don't understand that and they fear it. And I'm, I'm just curious if you've come across any organisations where you've hit real resilience for what you try to embed. That's what we try to do. We try to embed it within that organisation. It's not a tick box. If you want to buy into it, you have to embed it into your values, into what you believe from the top to the bottom. Exactly what you yeah. said. But have you found much resistance from any, not, not obviously we don't want to know who they are, but any resistance of attitudes of leaders towards mental health? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we get a lot of people that come on the uh, mental health training courses and they'll come and they'll, these will be from big national companies, okay, big organisations. And they'll say, oh, don't really know why I'm here. I'm here because my boss made me come. They just, you know, it's just, and and the, the delegates demeanor, the delegates kind of, um, not all of them, but they, they don't want to be there. Yeah, because they're there, they feel that they're there as part of this box you can exercise. And then we go on and we have the conversations and, you know, we want to talk to the leaders. There's very little or no interest. People want to tick. A lot of people want to tick boxes. A lot of people want to do it well and do it right. Um, I think the, the, the biggest problem for me is this real lack of understanding, this real lack of education um, around what is a legal requirement on them but I do think that post-pandemic that's going to change I think yeah. for many years organizations have been able to get away with doing nothing mm. and you know as people are now coming back into the workplace people have had this 12 months of real reflection you know our whole way of living our whole lives have changed and you know we're at that point now where We've had this global pandemic. We've had, you know, there is this global mental health issue. Um, there's a global recession. And people have got long memories. People are going to remember the organisations that looked after them. And people are going to remember the organisations that behaved diabolically, the ones that had people leaving the cameras on and Zoom on all day so they could check that they were at the desks, the ones that have the spyware that can check how many keystrokes somebody's doing in an hour. And it's just, you know, people employee uh, lead business leaders and those types of organizations need to understand and it's talked about a lot when we talk about mental health this correlation between you know well not even a correlation you know there's there's being present and there's being productive at the end of the day if the job gets done you know how relevant does it matter how much does it matter sorry if you do it at nine o'clock in the morning through to five o'clock in the evening or you do it at eight o'clock till midnight when the kids are in bed and it suits you. You know, it, it, it's we've got to change our thinking. Um, and I think organisations that don't change their thinking and leaders that just try to um, not kind of move with the times, um, they're going to get left behind. I, I completely agree. Obviously, I've been a leader for, for many, many years so of different varying sizes of organisations. And it took a long time for me to come around to what you've just said. And it was, the art, I had to learn the art of delegation and I had to learn how to let go because everything was gold standard for me and it was always my, and I had to be that way. And sometimes 
a lesser shade of gold's good enough but mm. in an organization but when i really started to do that and gave people autonomy in the roles oh my god did i see the difference it was really yeah. uncomfortable it was really uncomfortable for me a bit of a, a control freak uh if that makes sense <laughs> it, if I'm, if it I'm, does yeah i'm a total control freak and, and, <laughs> and it was i had to really be sold that the benefits of letting go of control giving people autonomy to do the job give them the trust give them responsibility but i found them far more loyal more productive more helpful more, more positive creative. more everything and, and the better yeah. and i were and it was the first time i was probably only about five years ago and i went oh my god i've been a terrible leader up until now and i, and I genuinely felt that way because that was always and i could be sort of critical because it I was always doing things to my standards. Yeah, where, absolutely. And and I had to realise not well, everyone's got different strengths and areas of development and stuff. But now I, I completely buy into what you know what you what you've just said there, and I can endorse it because I've changed my style as a leader and I've reaped the rewards of it using that absolutely. autonomous way of working. And I and I think that's a problem. For, and again, you know, I I completely agree with everything you say. I have been the worst manager. I've been the worst um, boss. Yeah, um, in the past. Yeah, because, you know, we learn by getting things wrong. OK, we've got to continue to do is to continue to feel uncomfortable. We've got to continue to do things that don't sit well with us. We've got to continue to push ourselves out of our comfort zone, because if we don't, we don't evolve, uh, get better at what we do. Um, you know, and, you know, it's so, so important that we don't close our minds off and have this really fixed mindset well it's mental health it's the new bad back it's the new uh, i've got a migraine no it's not you know mental ill health is 56 percent of all sickness absence in the uk more than bad backs yeah 17.9 million working days in the uk lost up to the beginning of the pandemic so you know and the numbers are going up and up and up. And last year were the highest numbers that were recorded in the UK. Yeah. So for you, you know, for business leaders that sit out there and say, oh, well, it's just the new bad back. Great. All of your employees or a large percentage of your workforce are going to be offered the new bad back. Doing nothing about it is not going to change that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paying lip service to it is not going to change that. People are not stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They know the difference between authentic and compassionate leadership and somebody who doesn't care and just wants to tick a box. Mm. We're human beings. We're not, you know, we're not stupid. No, um, I agree. And, and, the and, and the cost of organisations is, is astronomical, as you've just said. A um, couple of things that sprung to my mind as you, as you were talking there is because there's that many people on furlough, I don't think we'll get a true representation of people being off as well uh, because i think that i think that's going to disjoint the figures on it um but one thing we haven't touched upon i think you did earlier on is the cost of presenteeism yeah and, and accidents due to mental ill health and poor concentration yeah. and all of these things very very costly that mm. people organizations just tend to, to focus on the absenteeism bit where we're very similar to you to say well yeah that's one element of it but what about your accidents? Have you ever and root cause did that come down to any mental ill health or people's trouble difficulty uh, concentrating? And what about your employees being present? If they're having difficulties and not being productive, what we do as leaders, and I've been one of these leaders, I'm really open and honest. You're not doing for me what I need you to do. 
versus this KPI. So I'm going to whack you over the head, not physically, obviously, as a leader. But in other words, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to keep applying the pressure until yeah. you do. But what happens if that person, which I'm now aware of as a leader, which I never used to be, is I, I, also, I was an, an amazing performance manager. I got the job done. I got people to do what they needed to do. On reflection, I was a terrible manager. Because yeah. I was probably adding far too much more pressure to someone who may have already been facing mental health difficulties. But that wasn't even on my radar as no. a leader. Wasn't, no. And I think, and I'm sure if leaders are listening in, you can relate to me as well, where now I've had to change my leadership style to say, okay, as part of my performance management model and goal, let's, let's support before people are looking to, I ask one simple question to a lot of leaders, what's the point of disciplinary? And it's like, oh, to punish. And it's, mm. it's not, you know, I feel as if I've failed as a leader if it's had to get to disciplinary status. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. It's about, it's about that supportive model. You know, what have I supported the person to gain that improvement? Have I even yeah. considered that he's having pen he's a fantastic worker? Never let me down before. You know, great worker, always does it. All of a sudden stops performing. What's up? Bam, I'm out there, right? What's up with you? Get your finger yeah. out. You know, without even... Yeah. considering that this individual is going through our difficulties at home, difficulties Absolutely. in relationship at work. So I think as a leadership model, we, we also work with teams and leaders, sorry, to look at that performance management model as well, to make mm. sure that it isn't, you know, that that's been factored in as well. Yeah. And that's where I get a lot of resistance from. Oh, I, know, I just need them to do it. Well, you're going to reap the rewards in productivity if you embed this proactive work at the earliest intervention. And you, to do that, you, you see poor Joe, he's not himself. And we always ask people to reach out. We're waiting for people to reach out about the mental health. Yeah. I want organisations to reach in and to be able to, as a leader, and go, actually, Joe's not himself. He's not performing. Joe, what's the matter? I've noticed this. And that. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Rather than, I need you to hit this figure. Why aren't you doing it for me? Absolutely, absolutely. Is, I always remember somebody saying to me years ago, and it really resonated with me, and it's always stuck with me. And I used to be that irate boss, and he's like, oh, they're useless, I've not done that right, you know, they've messed it up, or, you know, or, you know, we didn't get the right savings on that particular deal. And my, the, my colleague turned around to me and, and, and said, just think on this, Sheila. Nobody gets up in the morning to come into work to do a bad job and make you irate. That's not what people come to work for. As human beings, yeah, to feel mentally good about ourselves, yeah, and we, we, we do um, work around and, and use tools around a model of, of positive psychology called PERMA. And, and two key features of, of PERMA, sense of meaningfulness and a sense of accomplishment. That's what want when we come to work so if we're not performing if we're not achieving if we're not accomplishing something that's not going to be well for us in terms of our mental health so we come to work because we want to do a good job so if we're not doing a good job help us to just reach out to us as you say you know what's going on what can we do to support you because that's an accomplishment that's what makes us kind of have that meaningfulness in our life mm and really want to get on and it's like that was the biggest piece of advice and every time I used to feel myself kind of getting up I was like nobody got up this morning to come into work to get yeah. on my nerves Sheila nobody gets to do a bad job find out what the problem is, because and, is and, and even if the I, I don't think they do 
But you can get someone who's that demotivated in the role that they're not lead. But I think that's down to leadership to motivate. That's our roles. That's it. To give them a sense of purpose, to give them, to let them know that what they do matters in the workplace. And, and you're, by you doing this means that we can do this, this, and this. And so help, help people connect the dots of what your role is and the, and the benefits, the, how important your role is within this organisation. So they can see that clear change. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, there's this, you asked, you asked me before about this kind of fear of and, and around kind of making those changes and, and saying, okay, let's deal with mental health. And I think another thing around this is, you know, this fear that if we address mental health, we just have to carry everybody through the organisation, even the people that are not good at their jobs. Mm. And it needs to be, and this is where we need to have really clear policies and processes in place in the workplace because there is there is um, supporting people that are struggling okay and there are people that just aren't up for the job okay yeah. one is a supporting role and the other one's a performance management management yeah yeah, yeah. and and too often organizations or hr departments or whatever managers can cloud the two and it's like actually if there's five people or 10 or 15 people doing the same job Okay, and then one's been struggling. Okay, and then we address that and we, we do the recovery at work or we do the support processes and we address all of that. And then it just, you know, it comes to the fact that this person isn't suited to this job. Mm. You know, never the twain shall meet. There, there's always going to be a disconnect. That's yep. a performance management issue. Yeah. So you either deploy them in another department as something that fits to their character strengths and, 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 and to their skill sets, or you part company. So, mm. As long as we're clear as, a, as leaders and in, in terms of our business processes, in terms of our um, HR processes, our occupational health processes, we don't have to fear this. We just need to address it and deal and with think, it. And I think you're absolutely right. And some of the stuff that we're being asked for some support is, in, is around capability. And like any mental ill health, it's, it, you can recover. It's treatable. Like any physical, and I, I, the advice we give is, well, why are you treating this any different than a physical injury? Absolutely. It's, it's, exactly, the, it's exactly the same. The person, well, they're not capable, they're not capable. And where I, was, where I was picking up was that they didn't want the individual working for the organisation because of, so the stigma was, was really strong around. Hmm. They didn't understand it. They didn't know how to handle it. Oh, so they're not capable of doing a the job that I need them to do because of this mental health difficulty. I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. We're all on the continuum. We'll all be, you know, up here. A life event could come in tomorrow for me or you. That could cause mm -hmm. us, you know. So I, I need you to, to to pause a second there and reflect on what you're saying. So mm -hmm. then, obviously, they changed it, but they wanted to finish the individual up from the organisation due to capability to do the role because of a mm -hmm. mental health. And I was like, whoa, you you really need to really think about what you're saying here and reflect on it and get more advice because that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Um, and he did Th thankfully he did but it just evidenced the lack of understanding of mental ill health within the workplace as well yeah and this is where i think as well things like the you know the new iso 45003 standard coming through it's going to start to set this framework mm -hmm. 
by, don't get me wrong, it's by no means a silver bullet solution. Yeah, there's got to be a blended approach of lots of different things. But, you know, the standard gives us a baseline. It gives us a framework. And then we've got all of the other stuff, the EAP, the MHFA, the education, the awareness for all, you know, all of the other stuff that we're doing. But if we've got this framework, and this framework's been agreed across 74 countries, we know, it, and it's fortunate that it's coming out. It's been in development for quite a number of years now. And it's fortunate. It's coming out when it's coming out, um, as everyone's returning to work now, and you know we're yeah. coming lockdown in June. So if now is not the time to do this, and if now is not the time to embrace, and let's let's stop thinking about it as as well being and all this fluffy white cloud stuff. This is measurable stuff, okay? Yeah. This is tangible stuff that we can quantify and measure a return on investment. And if you think about it, and I say this when I do my webinars. You look at staff costs in a business, what would that typically be as a percent of the overall expenditure? It could be as high as 60, 70, 75% would be your staff costs. How many organisations then break that down and go, well, out of staff costs, X amount was long-term sickness, X amount was short-term sickness, um, and that equated to, let's just pick a number out of the air, like £200,000 worth of sickness um, costs, okay? All you need to do is to be able to track that, put these processes in place if you want to look at a financial KPI. Are you Measure. having impact on that? Because I tell you what, every 10 grand, every 20 grand, every 50 grand, that's going straight back on your bottom line, yeah? Mm. Even if you don't believe in mental health, I'll tell you what, one day you will, because one day it will come and bite you in the backside, because we all go up and down, as you said before. Yep life events come at us and you know it might just knock us off for a few you know a few weeks a few days a few months but it could end up going into illness you could end up getting better um, mental health exists it's not the new backache it's a fundamental part of what makes us a human being and mental health is is good mm. when we're well when we're happy yeah. we're smiling when we're laughing um but you know bring it back to you know pound shilling and pence yeah it, it has an impact on your bottom line. Yeah. Absolutely has an impact on your bottom line. It's not, as I say, it's not just, they're the measurables around the absence as well. And I'm really keen to look at measurables around presenteeism. Is the organisation more productive due to, mm. um, because you can look at it a couple of ways. Yeah, okay, there's the cost of the individual going. They're very skilled at what they do. They've done it a long time. Usually most organisations like what I've had to do, you're then reaching out and grabbing an agency worker or someone who, who isn't as skilled or as competent in the role. So that person's maybe going to come in and fill that role, but won't be as productive. Absolutely. So it's about it. So there's a lot of cost to, to consider when you start drilling down the cost of someone going off. And wouldn't it be great to get to a world where a leaders can reach in and get someone and say, Joe, I see that you're not yourself. You're not doing this before the person's going out. It's all about being proactive because you're right, as soon as they go off, it can be a lengthy process. Then you're having to backfill that individual's role, or even worse, take that person's role and give it to other people in the team, so they then become more stressed. Absolutely. They, yeah, and then it then starts to impact their life and their mental health, and then you yeah. you can have that that snowball effect. That makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's it's so true. And I, you know, I would encourage anybody listening. Just go and have a look at your numbers. Go look at your numbers and then tell me that you can't afford to invest 
in mental health because you don't have the budget or psychological health and safety because it look on the numbers and that's what it's costing you today yeah um, absolutely so that, that, that's what that's how you're going to pay for it basically uh, Sheila you know what um I love talking to like-minded people um I can see your passion I can I obviously it's the same the same as ourselves and it's really it's been a delight to talk to you this morning um and uh, is there any way where people can signpost to you um and you're on the work that you do do you want to give yourself a bit of a a shout out your email address or I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we're BMR Health and Wellbeing, um, and is in A N D. yeah, BMR Health and Wellbeing.co.uk. Um, you can find us on there. Uh, and you can always find me on LinkedIn, Sheila Lord. I'm normally I'm normally uh, yeah quite active on LinkedIn. So um Brilliant. find me on there. No, and it, true yeah. truly uh truly great work that you're doing. Obviously we're doing things similar but in different ways mm-hmm. um but our message and our values i think are very much the same as as getting it right for people uh, within the workplaces yeah. and organizations it's win-win uh, yeah. but thank you very much for this morning I've, I've really enjoyed it and um and thank you everyone for listening in as well see you next week <laughs>